One of the great things about living in 2017 is you don't have to just watch television shows. There's like a whole new interactive level of television series uh, because every television show has its own social media conversation going on. Right? It's got its own hashtags. Uh, you can follow the people who are in the shows. And so there's like, it, it feels like there's this interactive component to television today. Game of Thrones people, they have like their own sort of social media thing going that none of the rest of us understand what's going on, except a lot of people are dying. That's kind of what we get out of that. Uh, Walking Dead freaks, I mean fans, they, <laughs> same thing, a lot of people dying. There's some bad people, and I don't know if there are any good people, but there's, there's a lot of violence. I don't, I, that's going on, so there's this conversation going on. If you're not watching the show, you're not in the loop. Uh, Fuller House people, they got this whole thing going on with Fuller House. Uh, designated Survivor, you got your whole thing going on. So it's kind of like you're a part of it and you're contributing, you're in this conversation that's going on. One of the shows that kind of emerged this television season, <clears throat> burst on the scene, was a show called This Is Us. And it's a show about a family. Um, it's not really a family show, but it's about a family. It's about individuals that have really complicated lives and really complex lives and really flawed people who are dealing with their stuff kind of individually. They got their own stuff going on, but they have this history together. They, they have this experience and this relationship together. <clears throat> uh, so that's in the background, and they're trying to sort family out while they're also sorting out all these other components of their lives, which I think is what, what makes it so popular, is because all of us are complex, uh, all of us are flawed, all of us are in families that, if the truth were told, probably aren't real family friendly. Uh, I, I mean, if we dug around in your family background very much, I mean, it'd be your family, but there'd probably be some not so family friendly stuff on there that we wouldn't want to put on television, if we climbed high enough into your family tree, we'd find some not-so-family-friendly stuff. And some of you, we, we wouldn't have to dig very far, right? It's like right out there. Yeah, not family-friendly. We don't want to talk about that. Yeah, that uncle, we never mentioned him. There's, so all of us are sort of in families that are not-so-family-friendly uh, and that, that maybe we want to sort out a little bit or, or we want to deal with. A little bit. Here, here's the thing about <clears throat> this is us when it comes to families. It's that none of us have the same this and none of us have the same us. Right? All of us can say about our family, this is us. But my this is not your this. And my us is not your us. In, in some easy ways, like in some practical, you can see it sort of ways. I am the father of three teenage daughters. Uh, that's not everybody's story, right? That, matter of fact, that's a pretty small club. Uh, some of you are thinking, I don't want to be in that club. I, I, <clears throat> you can have a membership drive. You can do giveaways. I'm not joining that club. <laughs> I, am, I get it. My this is, is for me, and, and you got maybe a little bit different uh, this and a little bit different us going on in your life. My, my relationship to my parents, unique. Uh, I, I had a particular experience with my parents, and it's not exactly the same as your experience with your parents, uh, my wife and I, we've had struggles in our marriage that maybe you were able to avoid, uh, and maybe we avoided some struggles that you weren't able to avoid in your marriage or in your relationships or, or in your family. Our, everybody's this and everybody's us 
is a little bit different, and yet the Bible speaks in, in some principal ways, in some practical principal ways to all of our thises and all of our uses, right? whatever, whatever they are, God has something to say to where you are. And, and maybe you're in a place where uh, you want your this to be different. Right? You'd like a different us, a different this. I don't mean trade in your current family and go try to find a new one. That's not what I mean. I don't mean get out of your current marriage and go try to find another marriage. I don't mean trade in in that way. I mean, some of us look at our family situation and we go, I would like for my this to get better. I'd like for my this to grow. I'd like for my this and my us to be something that it's not. Now, if you ever have that thought, if you ever think our this could get better, the people who have the greatest influence over that typically are mom and dad. The people who most influence your this and your us in your home and in your family is mom and dad or mom or dad, depending on your this, depending on your us. Those of us who are the parental units, we can affect the climate in our home more than anybody else. And, and yes, kids affect that. Adult kids affect that. Extended family affects that. Kids are responsible for their choices and their attitudes. And their, I'm not dismissing that. I'm just saying that to shape a home to, to, to recalibrate the temperature of a home lands largely with mom and dad. This is, this is true in a literal sense. If your family's a house, right, if you, the home that you live in, who controls the, the real thermostat in your home? It's probably either mom or dad because they're the ones who say, who touched the thermostat, right? Who turned the air down? Who turned the heat up? What my dad always would say is, who left the door open? I'm not paying to cool the front yard. And he'd slam the door. <clears throat> that was the way he reminded us he was paying the utility bill. Mom and dad, we, we typically control the literal thermostat, and we, and we control the emotional thermostat in our home, the, the spiritual thermostat in our home, the relational thermostat in our home. That largely lands with us, and we have to own that. We have to accept that. If, if we want a new this and a new us, mom and dad, mom or dad, this lands with us. This lands on us. So for, for just a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this role of parenting, uh, this role of being mom and dad, influencing, shaping, preparing. And I know we're at different stages. Some of us have young kids. Some of us have older kids. Some of us have adult kids. Some of us don't have kids. Some who don't have kids are planning to have kids. Some who don't have kids aren't planning to have kids. There will, there will be principles that cross over other relationships, certainly that cross over our ability to influence nieces and nephews and younger cousins uh, throughout our, our family connections. Principles that relate to even impacting people that we work with, maybe younger people that work for us or work under us in ways that we can think about interacting with them to kind of shape the direction that they're heading. For some of you, maybe you don't have kids right now, maybe you don't have kids in your home, 
But you could be a parental influence to somebody who needs it, maybe who doesn't have that in their life. I, I spoke at a funeral yesterday for a wonderful lady who for almost the last 20 years was an adopted mom to Julie and I, an adopted grandmom to my kids. I, I talked about how at the, at the funeral, ever since we got married, we, never, we have never lived in the same community as our parents. Uh, we, we've never been able to drop the kids off at mom's house and, and go out to eat. We just, glad for those of you who do, we'd like to borrow your parents sometime, if that's okay. <laughs> glad for those of you who do, we've, we've never lived in that sort of environment. But God put people like Miss Jeanette that, that we said goodbye to yesterday in our lives to kind of be our adopted mom, to encourage us and pray for us and, and help us along the way. Some of you can be that for other people in your life. So, so hopefully there's, there's going to be a lot of application uh, to this. And then maybe some of us, by going through these, these next few weeks, some of us need to extend a little grace up to our parents. I, I've thought many times, now that, now that I'm a parent, I hope my kids give me more grace than I gave my parents. I always thought my parents were doing it wrong, or they didn't get it right, or they should have been better. And now I'm a parent, and I'm thinking, I hope my kids don't expect me to be perfect like I expected my parents to always do the right thing and always be perfect. Maybe walking through this series, we can extend a little grace upwards as we go through it. All right, today, kicking it off, just, just some kind of broad foundational uh, issues, principles that we're going to build on over the next couple of weeks, starting in Psalm 127. Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. It's a big, huge book. It's hard to miss if you just open to the middle. It's a book, uh, as, I've, as I've told you before, it's a book of poems and song lyrics and prayers. Uh, it's kind of a hymnal, if you remember what those books used to be. That's kind of what the Psalms is, prayers and, and recitations and things that people would speak in worship services or sing in worship services. Psalm 127 is written by Solomon, very wise king of Israel, son of David. And this is how he begins, Psalm chapter 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. <clears throat> Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man or woman whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents. In court. Now, uh, on first reading, there appears to be kind of two sections that aren't related to Psalm 127. It's probably even set off in your Bible. There's probably a gap between verse 2 and verse 3. Because in verses 1 and 2, Solomon's talking about the need for God and faith to be a part of your life. And he uses analogies like if you're building a house, but like you're ignoring God. It's going to be useless in the end. Um, if you're guarding a city, but your heart's not tuned into God, then eventually that's all going to go away. And it's not going to matter that you were guarding the city. If you get up early to go to work and stay up late to meet needs, that's a good thing. All of these are good things. But Solomon's saying, if at the core of your life, 
God isn't there, relationship with Jesus isn't there, then eventually all these other things are going to pass away and it's going to be useless. Houses are going to come and go. Jobs are going to come and go. Financial situations are going to go up and down and down and down and down. Sometimes, right, if you're a parent, you, you know what that's like. But those, all of those things are going to come and go into your life. And if God is not at the core, then everything else you're doing is going to be useless. Then Solomon seemingly takes a hard left turn and leaves that subject and begins to talk about family and kids and parenting, but maybe they're not unrelated. In, in the Old Testament Jewish mindset, everything came back to family. Everything came back to family connections and the stability of the home, the, the spiritual foundation of the home. I, I told you a few weeks ago that in the Old Testament, the nation is divided in a couple of ways. There's the whole nation of Israel subdivided into tribes, subdivided into clans, and then at the foundational level, the core level of the nation was the family. The family set as the core foundational level of the family. All the stories, when you read the Old Testament, they're all about families. They're all about parents and kids and grandkids and Problems and issues and families being formed and families falling apart. It's one of the reasons we have all the genealogies in the Bible. The Bible just keeps saying all these people were related. All these people were in the same family. They, all these people came from the same place. It's this emphasis that everything rises and falls. Everything has its strength based on the family. So what Solomon's trying to say in the first two verses is, like, why would you build a house except to put a family in it? Like, connect it. Why would you guard a city except for the fact that there are families who live in that city? Why would you get up early and work and stay late and meet needs if there wasn't a family to care for? So these two sections aren't unrelated. One's building on the other. It all comes back to the health, strength of the family. So before we jump into the family part, let's really get what, Paul is, what Solomon is saying in the first two verses. Solomon is saying, everything else you do eventually fades away if God's not at the core. And this includes our family. This includes especially our family. If we aren't prioritizing our family calendar, Emotion, relational. And if a part of that priority isn't that God is at the foundation, the center, the core of who we are as a family, Solomon says, eventually all that's going to go away and it's going to be useless. And you will have built nothing in your family if it's not for God. Which, as we jump into this, is a great place just to kind of look at our life, just to look at our home, just to look at our parenting, our family, and ask, where is spirituality? Where is faith? Where is my commitment to Christ when it comes to my family? Because Solomon's challenging you. Like you can do a lot of parenting things well. You can learn a lot of things. You can, you can implement a lot of good strategies. But at the end, when we're in eternity, what's going to matter is, did my family 
learn to know Christ? Did my family learn to prioritize faith and their relationship with God? And mom and dad, if they're not seeing that from us, where are they going to see it? If, if, if they're not learning from us, Jesus is the priority of my life. If they're not hearing it from us, if, if it's not being modeled from us, where is it going to be modeled? Where are they going to see it? I mean, it? If this, if coming together isn't a priority to mom and dad, how's it going to be a priority to them? If, if them being a part of Journey Kids Ministry, or if you have teenagers, being consistently a part of Journey Students Ministry, if you aren't saying, look, this is important, we make this a priority, we, uh, we set aside other things because worshiping God is important to our family. If they don't see that when they're in our home, how are they going to live that when they get out of our home? So I want to I encourage you, mom and dad, you are that spiritual role model. And I get it. None of us are perfect spiritual role models. None of us are. We're all flawed when it comes to being spiritual role models, but you're the most consistent one they have. You're the one they're going to see day after day, week after week. You're the one that they're going to pick up the most clues from as to what is most important. So consistently, honestly, and authentically demonstrate a commitment to Christ in front of your children, parents. Consistently, not going to get it right every time, but consistently, honestly, you're going to fail sometimes, own up to it, ask for forgiveness, say, I blew that one authentically demonstrate a commitment to Christ in front of your children. Live out your faith, mom and dad. Let them see it in you. Now, from there, Solomon jumps into specifically parents and children. He writes, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Children are a heritage. It's the sense of an inheritance. Like you've got something really valuable you got something really precious, and it was handed down to you. It's, it's really not yours. Somebody handed this down to you, and Solomon is saying, view, view your kids as that priceless inheritance that you've been given. When my grandparents died on my mom's side, uh, I got their radio, which may not seem like a big deal to you, but my grandparents' radio was about this wide, and about this tall. I've got a picture. I'll show you a picture of it. This is my grandparents' radio. All right. Now, I have an iPod Nano that's this big, and it has all the music that I want to listen to this big. My grandparents, before television, this is what they would sit around and they would listen to, to shows on. It still works, by the way. Like, I can turn it on. It takes a few minutes to warm up the tubes and get the crackle out. But eventually, we can get 750 WSB from Atlanta. This is my inheritance, and it means something to me because it belonged to them. It means something to me because every time I would walk in their house, I would see this. It was always there. It's kind of a centerpiece in their home, and now I have it. And there's no amount of money you could give me for this. This is a priceless heritage, a priceless inheritance that I have from them. And I feel a sense of responsibility because the truth of the matter is everybody else in the family wanted this. And I got it. 
And it's a long story as to how I got it, but being the firstborn grandson, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> so I got this. Everybody else wanted it, so I, I had this sense of responsibility to, to take care of it and to, to, uh, to honor my grandparents. So when Solomon says, children are a heritage from the Lord, he's saying, look, you've been given an eternal soul. You haven't just been given flesh and blood. You haven't just been given temper tantrums, dirty diapers. You've been given an eternal soul created in the image of God, and it's a priceless gift that God gives to you in part to bring joy to you, in part to disciple you, in part to shape you more into Jesus' image. Don't our kids do that? Sometimes they shape us in the image of the devil too, but <laughs> intended to move us more into the image of Jesus. And when we view our kids and when we interact with our kids, we're interacting with an inheritance from God. Now, I'm not saying that kids are like radios, right? Unfortunately, you can't turn them off. That, that, would, that would be a nice feature. Or at least change the station. Right? You ever have those days? Can, can we just do easy listening for the rest of the day? So some smooth jazz, anything but the head banging we've had for the last four days. Can we just change this? You can't change the station. You can't turn them off. But they are a priceless inheritance that we've been given. Now, Solomon builds on that to say they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are children born in one's youth. So this, this kind of cool metaphor of an archer pulling arrows out of his quiver, her quiver, and, and launching them. Now, here's the thing about archery is you never release an arrow without some intended place that you want it to go. Whether that's a target, uh, whether... Whether you're in battle and you want it to go to a specific place, whether you're hunting, you have a specific place that you want this arrow to land when you release it. And Solomon is saying parenting is, parenting is like that. Like you, if, if you're a parent, you need to be generating in your mind, praying through, reading Scripture, talking to other parents. You, you need to come up with, here are some places I want them to land. In the sense of, this is the person I want them to become. These are the characteristics I want for their life. Now, now let's, let's be honest. None of us who are parents feel like we know what we're doing, right? Can we just be honest? Can we just let the secret out of the bag for all the people who aren't parents? Before we were parents, we knew how to parent really well, Right? Like before we became parents, we could tell parents how to parent their kids. And then we would become parents and it's like, this is a lot more complicated than I thought it was. I don't really know what I'm doing with my kids. All of us feel that way, right? It's like that ultimate walking on a high wire without a safety net. Like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Uh, are we doing the right thing? I, I think it's going to work out okay. Should we step in? Should we not step in? Should we make the decision for them? Should we force them to make their own decisions? Should we make the call? Should we not make the call? Should we intervene? Should we discipline? Should we not discipline? Should we put them on restriction or not put them on restriction? 
and, and that's just one day, right? Those of you who are parents, now, that's just one day. And then multiply one day times 18 years. This is parenting. And then they leave the home, and from what I understand, you st- still keep doing that, right? Should I intervene? Should I call them? Should I tell them what I think? Should I not tell them what I think? This is like the rest of your life, you're having that internal conversation if you're a parent. I mean, if, you, if you're a parent and you don't have that internal conversation, I question whether you should be a parent, honestly. Like, <laughs> you, you don't have the credentials. If you don't have this second guessing going on all the time, that's what being a parent is. Am I doing the right thing? I think I'm praying. I hope, God, am I doing the right, the right thing? Now, those little daily decisions, I think, are the hard ones. I think sometimes it's easier to step back from all of that and just say, but what kind of person do I want her to be one day? What kind of person do I want him to be spiritually, morally, relationally? What what sort of self-confidence do I want? What kind of compassion for other people do I want her to have? What what do I want him to have? What what kind of leadership ability do I want him or her to have? That's kind of what Solomon's saying. Don't get swept away by all of the things you don't know and manage day-to-day questions and never get around to asking, yeah, but who do I want him to be one day? Here's here's what we have to own as parents. We are not parenting children. We aren't parenting children, ever. We are parenting future adults. We are parenting people that are actually going to grow up one day. And when they're two, it doesn't seem like it, right? When when you're in the middle of geometry, it feels like it'll never end. But we're not parenting kids. We're parenting future adults. And and while there's certainly a sense of, I'm just making this up as I go along, I don't really know if this is going to work or not, there are some, hey, look, this is where I want it to end up. This is, this is where I want my parenting to land. This is where I, who I want my child to become. And maybe those are really specific and maybe those are really general. This, you need to be praying about this. You need to be seeking God about this. And at the same time, I would say, don't over-spiritualize it either. My mom, one of her targets for her kids when we were young one of the things she said she always wanted for her kids was she wanted other people to be able to enjoy being around her kids. She wanted other people, when they were around her kids, to have a positive experience, a pleasant experience. And kids will be kids, you know, kids do what they do and they get into stuff and they say things. And, but for my mom, well, one of the targets was, I, I want my kids when they're around other people, for people to actually enjoy their presence. Now, when you back up from that target, that means <clears throat> my mom had to teach her kids that the world didn't revolve around them. They, they had to understand, you know, there's actually other people in the world, and you should listen to other people talk, and you shouldn't be rude. And you should know how to interact socially with people who are older than you. You should respect people who or older. There was this whole list of things that go into, you know, I want, I want other people to enjoy being around my kids. Now, maybe that's a target for you. Maybe it's not. We've, we've tried to adopt that uh, with our kids, is teaching them, hey, other people matter. Care about other people. Listen to other people. You don't have to be the center of attention all the time. 
You don't have to be rude. Nobody wants to be around a brat, right? All of those little things just simply because I want people to enjoy being around. Here's the other thing. I don't know if my mom thought, but it's certainly a part of it. It was the realization that other people aren't going to love her kids the way she loves her kids, right? Ever, ever. And, and, and that's a part of the importance of, of parents loving their kids, and we'll talk about that over the next few weeks. But the other aspect of that is realizing I'm going to give my kids slack because I love them, and other people aren't going to give them that slack. Like, I, I'm going to overlook things. That when they become young adults, people aren't going to overlook anymore. And so I need to teach them, yeah, mom loves them no matter what. I, dad loves them no matter what. I'm, I, I forgive them. I'm, I have compassion for them. But other people aren't. And so I want to teach them how to behave around other people who don't love them as much as, as I do. That was, that was a target. I don't know if that's a target for you or if it should be. But you should have some. This is who I want them to be. Otherwise, we get sucked under by the day-to-day decisions of parenting. And we're, and we're really not launching them anywhere. We're really not looking toward who they're going to become one day. Last thing, I'm going to wrap up. Just foundational level, just to throw this out there as we get started. I would say to mom and dad, parent the stage that you're in. Parent the stage that you're in. I'm going to say more about this. My wife's going to join me in a few weeks, and we're going to talk more details about this particular one, but I just want to put it out there right now. Parenting newborns and toddlers is not the same as parenting middle schoolers. Parenting middle schoolers is not the same as parenting a 16-year-old who just got their driver's license. Love's the same. Forgiveness is the same. Compassion is the same. Parenting strategy is not the same. As a matter of fact, if you're parenting your middle schooler like you did when they were a three-year-old, there's a problem. Conversely, if you're parenting your eight-year-old like she's already a 16-year-old, there's a problem. Parent the stage that you're in in two senses. One, every stage is unique. Every stage calls for different strategies and creativity and, and discipline and prayers. Every, every stage is unique. I forgot the second one. What was the second one, Doug? You were writing down the first one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, each one, each stage is unique, and you don't get to skip any stages. Right? You can't bail out anywhere along the way, Mom and Dad. Teachers, educators get to do this. This is not a knock on educators, I'll explain. Educators get to pick which age group they, they love and they thrive in and they want to be with. If you talk to any educator, they will say something like, I teach second grade, I love second grade. I've gone up to third grade, dropped down to kindergarten once. I, I really love that age. I would never teach high school. Like, I would not. I don't like the big kids. I like the little kids. Or you go to the other extreme, and somebody says, I teach juniors. I love juniors, 17, 18. You know, they can wipe themselves. You don't have to deal with that. Like, they're, they're sort of grown. You can have a conversation with them. I could never teach third grade. Like, I would never go to And that's cool. Teachers get that choice. Parents, you don't get that choice. You don't get to decide. I loved them when they were young. I want to kill them when they're in middle school. Like, 
man, I just wish they'd grow up and we could have a conversation. Oh, they will, but you got to parent till they get there. You don't get to skip phases, and you don't get to drop out in phases. You don't get to run up against something, and I know, I feel it too. I don't know, I'm not sure. My wife and I have these same conversations, should we, shouldn't we, are we doing the right thing? You're going to feel that. The thing you can't do is abdicate that moment. You can't step back. You can't step out. You can't give up. You can't say, I'm going to wait this out. You can't disappear, mom and dad. And if you have, now's the time to re-engage. Now's the time to step back in. You don't get to skip stages. When God, the creator of the universe, has given you an inheritance of an eternal soul made in His image that will bring great joy to your life and will test you day after day. But He's trusted you. He's trusted you. I'm giving something priceless to you. So be responsible for it. Let's pray. God, we, we feel overwhelmed at this calling to parent, to mentor, to be role models. But the faith, the eternal destiny of our kids is in play here. You've entrusted us with such priceless treasures. And so help us, help us not to step back. Help us not to abdicate in the critical moment. We need your help. We don't have all the answers. But God, we want to launch our future adults toward the right targets, toward the right places, spiritually and relationally and morally and in their compassion level, in their ability to serve other people, their ability to lead and their self-confidence. God, we want to launch them in the right direction. So give us wisdom and grace. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.